This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Republic of Football Recap Edition Sunday. Uh, at the end of week two, college football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here with his first recap edition, Carter Yates. What's up, Carter? I'm at a loss for words right now. Week two was an insane week. Uh, I think week two is always the best week in the non-conference slate. You know, cupcake yes. ramp up week one, cupcake ramp down week three, but week two was awesome. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and we'll get into that really quickly. Uh, of course, everyone's favorite Mal Pal. Mallory, how are you? I'm all right. Could be better. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... <laughs> We'll, 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 we'll figure out why you could be better uh, later. <laughs> um, but, you know, as you guys know. a good weekend? Carter, I'm <laughs> kicking you off these podcasts. So for those I'm the producer. Know, I can cut your voice out at any time. <laughs> she could do that. Um, so for those of you that don't know, coming back, you know, we're still in the early part of the season. Recap editions, we go through every team in the state. We go back and look at our top three teams or top three games of the week, like we did on Wednesday, go in depth on those. And then we go reverse powerful order through the rest of the teams. And I mean, look, let's just start with the biggest headline. Texas 34, Alabama 24, Quinn Ewers plays fantastic 20 uh, 24 38 349 through the air three touchdowns no picks out duels uh Jalen Milrow for Alabama who I mean let's just say really struggled versus a really good Texas performance uh, on defense sacked five times through two picks and I mean I'm not gonna say the phrase because you know we're gonna hold off on that until Holly Road tried Holly Road tried tried to get that out of (laughs) that was awesome (laughs) I mean what does it say about your program after a win like this <laughs> and she was she was really she was reeling it in and and i saw in. there was a flash in quinn's eye where he wanted to say it and then he said hey holly got a lot of season left to play and that's when i knew this is the guy <laughs> this is a different quinn yours <laughs> no like i mean let's put it this way like all off season we'd heard about the new slim down quinn yours you got a haircut all this stuff and we were all like, okay, cool. Like, obviously there is like, I think natural maturity that comes from going from, again, people would need to realize it was technically his freshman year last year, right? As far as like age goes. And so sure, there goes some natural maturity going from uh, your freshman to your sophomore year, just growing as an adult um, in general. But I think we saw what people had seen in spring and people who had talked around talked around the program about what they saw with Quinn Ewers in this game in Tuscaloosa you know Texas played great but they didn't it wasn't just a flawless walkthrough for them right they probably should have won by more but they had some mess ups on their end they had some issues on their end and Quinn Ewers was kind of the constant that kept it going yeah exactly I mean it 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 felt like in the first half they were trying to field goal Alabama to death. And yes. it felt like that was not going to work at all. Like Sark, 
he goes for it on fourth down in the red zone and then kicks a field goal and fourth and goal to go. And when that happened, I was very concerned because it's like, look, you can't, you can't be disappointed about being up by a touchdown to Bama at halftime, but it's like, this is a war, not a, not a, this is a marathon, not a sprint, you know? Yeah. And it felt like they weren't, weren't stacking touchdowns. The thing about Quinn Ewers is like last year, I think was the first adversity he's ever faced in his football career. Mm. And most of us, like if you're a normal person, you face adversity in middle school, high school, Quinn Ewers is a world class talent that it took until he got to his freshman year at Texas to face some adversity. And I think it's changed him for the better. He looks calmer in Bryant Denny stadium than I do at any moment in my normal life. Like he looks (laughs) calmer in the Alabama game, like with the stadium raining down on him than I do making my breakfast in the morning. (laughs) The thing that stood out to me, um, that's kind of, this is kind of a program defining win. I think for Sark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, hundred percent. It's a, I mean, you saw him after the game, right? Fist pumping, like it looked like it, like a huge weight was off his shoulders. Obviously, they still have the season to go, but he, this was the best win that he's had at Texas, and this is probably going back to, I mean, probably the Georgia win over in the Sugar Bowl, probably the best win Texas has had in a long time. Um, and I, you know, we can talk about Quinn Ewers, we can talk about text, the, the offense, and all that. I thought the defense was phenomenal, yeah. like. Sure, this may not be the Bama offense that we may be accustomed to seeing. I think this is more of a, um, I don't know. I saw some questions on the offensive end for Alabama. Besides, not even Jalen Milrow. I think that play calling wise, they sh- I think they should be running more of what Jalen Hurts ran in Alabama. But I don't know if they have the skill, talent to do that necessarily. Um, and Milrow is not necessarily the tank that he is. But regardless, they sacked him five times. Anthony Hill looked like a monster, like all over the field. Like he's okay, a freshman about- playing. Yeah, go ahead. The thing about Anthony Hill, I'll say, is he's not even in correct position half the time. Right. Like, he is just getting by on athleticism right now. So imagine when the experience catches up to the raw athleticism. Like, by the time he's a junior, it could be – he could be the real deal. Because there's part of of that time he's QB spying J.L. Milrow. And look, like, do not get me wrong, fantastic game by Anthony Hill. This is – that just comes with experience. But there was plenty of times where it looked like he overcommitted or lost contain and just the athleticism he's able to bounce back and, and tackle him. I thought it was a fan. I thought it's fantastic. I think it's going to be so much better too. And like by the end of the season. Yeah. And I think we were look. we were waiting. I don't know about you, but like, I mean, you know, maybe as a cynical Longhorn fan, you were, but I was like waiting for when the mistake happened. Right. Or when like the, 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 the kill shot from Bama happened. And it, it looked like it happened a couple of times. I think they had that. Um, the deep uh, Jermaine Burton. Yeah, I was about to say that deep ball. That, when when that, like, happened, oh. that yeah. was like, this is why you needed touchdowns instead of field goals right, right. there. Because right. it's so it's so quick yeah. that you can strike. And and Texas weathered it and they got through it. And Quinn Ewer, like you mentioned, Quinn Ewers was so calm just to go down the field and say, okay, cool, bet. And they just made like they weren't, they never blinked. And in Tuscaloosa. For that to happen, regardless of whether or not this may be a top Bama team or not, regardless, doesn't matter. You're in Tuscaloosa, you're facing a Nick Saban team on the road, you face adversity, and you're able to come out on top. I mean, like you mentioned, this is a program defining win. This is his tenure defining win for Steve Sarkeesian, because I think even for us, 
who thought Texas was going to be good, really good this year, we were still like, okay, but they lose to Bama. And then what happens after that? Right. Like we kind of like penciled it in just because we had to kind of see it and we've seen it. And now like, okay, the ceiling with this team starts to lift a little bit to what we maybe thought they could do, because I don't know about you. We'll get to the rest of these games. There's not a game on this schedule that they can't win. <laughs> well, now this is this is the problem now with yeah. Texas. Yeah. It's like you've gotten this win, and now are you going to come out at 11 a.m. in October when you play Iowa State with the same energy that you came in at Brian Denny Stadium? That's a really hard thing to do. Sure. Um, but we don't need to like go. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to already be doing the. But you know, I get it. I get you. Let's in, let's enjoy the win. The thing I will say, um, sure, we can talk about maybe this isn't the Alabama team of Nick Saban past glory days, but I, I love what you said. I mean, it's still Alabama. It's still Brian Denny Stadium. And the thing that stuck out to me is they're talking about Alabama's offensive line and, like, they've got 330-pound linemen and they're bigger linemen than even in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Texas looks physically the same. Yeah. That is, and that's a testament to Sark and what he's built in his first three years here along the line of scrimmage. There's the famous story about when Sark comes in, he takes the job and he goes, why do we have more wide receivers than scholarship offensive linemen right now? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that was the thing with Texas is, yes, they get the top three recruiting classes year in and year out, but it was always like these wide receivers and skill position players. And the trenches were something that really, was thrown by the wayside at the end of the Tom Herman era. And I mean, you got Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, like those guys are physically five sacks. Talk about the defensive line is, is rushing and getting pressure on an Alabama offensive line, which is pretty insane. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we'll talk about the ceiling of this team going forward, but um, yeah, I mean, impressive performance nonetheless, for my opinion. All right. Now let's get to, I don't know. I'm UTSA 20, Texas State 13 in the Alamo Dome. Um, I was at this game. Yeah, I, I was something on this because I, I was traveling during this game. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, so I made the decision during the week, pretty late in the week to go to this game. Um, and I wrote something, on, it's on textbook.com now, just about like how in the era of realignment, it was nice to see like a regional rivalry, like really kind of really reemerge um, because obviously it helped the Texas State won last week. Um, I can guarantee that that there's probably not 40. I mean, there might be just because it's UTSA's opener, but they don't open the third level in the capacity that they did, in my opinion, if Texas State doesn't win last week. Um, both these teams, I will say now own in, in total three of their combined top 10 all-time attendance records. So UTSA, I believe in the one time they went to Texas State, I think they think they're fourth or fifth all-time. And then Texas State, uh, for those that don't know, 49,000 in the Alamo Dome on Saturday, the second most all-time. That's and I think the first time Texas State played in 2012 in the Alamo Dome was 20, uh, their seventh all-time uh, record. So these two fan bases, 50 miles apart, like, and you saw it, like tailgate was packed. Um, mm-hmm. Every like it was it was an incredible environment. I will say, looking at the game now, I mean, 
UTSA's offense isn't as isn't the explosive offense that we've seen in the past. I mean, obviously, when you lose somebody like a uh, Zachary Franklin, um, JT Clark still wasn't still in play, um, or he played, but he wasn't. He, he had like one catch, basically. Yeah, one and, catch yards. Yeah, it, it it it's not as explosive because they don't have the wide receiver depth this year, and that's fine. Um, I think Kavorian Barnes is fantastic, and they were able to just control the game on the ground. Frank Harris is going to have to limp through this year. I think mm-hmm. he left the first half um, with an injury, went to the half, went to the tunnel with like three minutes to go, and Eddie Lee Marburger finished out. And I'll say this: as far as Texas State's concerned, after, after last week, a lot of people are concerned with the offense. I'm not concerned with the offense as much as the offensive line because uh, uh, Nash Jones went out the transfer from UIW, their starting left tackle, and they could not block at all. TJ Finley was sacked five times, probably should have been seven or eight. Seven or eight. They could not run the ball. I, I can't remember how many hours they averaged. Um, this isn't the case of TJ Finley holding the rock too long. He's just, he. I mean, there were a couple throws late where he maybe like he did like the hesitation pump fake and like, you know, kind of like where he looked like he wanted to rip it. But I, I there were a lot of he's he's also not a mobile quarterback. And so like the the sign of pressures that comes, it's like, oh, he's going to get hit probably. Um, the only reason I would have I would have excused playing Hornsby was just the fact that they couldn't protect him. Um, I don't think he was bad yesterday. I really don't. There were a couple, there was one throw he might've missed, um, early, but that was it. But to me, this was about UTSA, like finding a way, like they didn't look great. The game wasn't the prettiest game. They didn't have like these explosive plays out. Like I mentioned, Frank Harris basically couldn't move in the pocket in the second Frank half. Harris is like Paul Walker and varsity. Blues. <laughs> Dude, I was, yeah, you were saying before we started recording, there was some varsity blue stuff going on. And he said like, in, in at halftime, he's like, yeah, I got a couple injections, and then I, I got an X-ray that was negative, and I went back out, and it was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened, man. Um, yeah, UT. I mean, let's put it this way: UTSA ran ninety plays, Texas Day ran fifty-eight. <laughs> right, yeah, like not, that's they were able to control the ball. Yeah, and I tweeted this out. The problem with going tempo if you're Texas State is if you go three and out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, then you're just screwing your defense yes, over. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that happened quite a bit. Now, towards the end of the first half, or might have been, yeah, towards the end of the first half, they started connecting on drives and they started connecting. They strung together, like, I think three consecutive first downs. And they were like, oh, UTSA is getting gassed. Like, it looked really good. But when those weren't hitting, they were just going three and out. I'm trying to find the time of possession here. Um, Cause yeah, it just wasn't like, I've seen that before, right? When an offense looks good and it's like, oh man, look at this tempo, all this stuff. It, it better work because you're, you're tiring your defense if it doesn't. So what do you, I, I'm curious for UTSA, they've had this like sustained run. Yeah. Uh, it's been the best in program history. By the way, like, time of possession, 22 minutes for Texas State, 37 for UTSA. So, geez. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, let's do some ceiling floor talk for this UTSA team. Okay. Like, what are you thinking for this season right here? Is it going to be, are they going to get back to the levels they reached the previous few years? Or is this kind of like the swan song dynasty ramp down? Yeah. I mean, man, I was telling Mallory before we started, recording, I don't know if Frank Harris finishes the season. Yeah. That's I genuinely don't like he came out. I mean, three, four times in this game. Right. 
Um, I saw him versus Houston, and he's getting he gets sacked, and he looks gimpy. I was about to say he like sits down for a little bit and kind of you know kind of needs to collect himself. And it's it's like, like every hit he takes, you're holding your breath. And it's like I get it, right? Dude had so many surgeries already. Like I get it. It's not blaming Look, him. Way more of like, a man than me. I, I, you would not catch me out after <laughs> four knee surgeries. So Look, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, he needs to not play versus Tennessee when they go to Knoxville. Oh gosh, I know. But he needs oh. to not play versus Tennessee when no. they go to Knoxville in two weeks. Uh uh-uh. oh. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's so they they have army this coming up week, um, and then yeah, then they go to Knoxville, and it's like, as far as ceiling goes, I mean, sure, I'd I'd still, just because, is Jeff Trailer and Frank Harris, and they make things work, um, and I will say the offense looked, the play calling on the offense looked a lot better than I think it did against Houston. Um, I think they were able to, really, despite Texas State getting home sometimes they were able to really open up space for the, the receivers that they did have. And then Kavorian Barnes looked fantastic on the ground. So I think the play calling looked better. And I think I'm more optimistic on that than I was. Um, I, let's put it this way. Last week was Frank Harris's worst game as a road runner. And I think that was a, sh- uh, a flash in the pan. I think they will be competent, but it does ride on if Frank Harris is healthy. I, the ceiling is still this, for this team. Everything going okay. I think still is the conference championship game. I don't know if they... I mean, they don't play SMU, so like that, you know, that's in their benefit. Um, but man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, games like Rice now look look really tough, right? Like Rice all of a sudden looks really good. FAU looks pretty good. Um, they still play Tulane too at the end of the year. Still, oh god, they do still play Tulane. So again, I still think with Frank Harris at quarterback, you they always have a shot. They're gonna have a shot. Um, defensively, we'll see. Their secondary looked really good. I'll say that much. Texas State's offensive line didn't look very good they were able to man up the receivers really, really well. So I'm very optimistic about the defense, the, the secondary in particular, than maybe I was uh, at the beginning of the year. But yeah, it, I mean, it just depends on, it depends on if zero can stay healthy. I'm just, I, I really, I love hearing about how the atmosphere though and how they opened up oh. that third deck for, UT, for UTSA Texas State because this is like, you're, like you're talking about, Ish, this is the game we need to hold on to in this yeah. era of realignment. And for me, from an outside perspective, I'm like, dude, G.J. Kinney, like, I know he climbs the coaching ranks and, like, mm-hmm. seemingly gets a new job every year, but it's like, I almost want him to stay at Texas State for a couple years here and yeah. just, like, let's build this. Because Trailer, Pull Jeff talked, Trailer, right. He talked about, in a press conference, like, yeah, he loves G.J. Kinney, like, coach, mentor, yeah. uh, father figure type deal. But he's, like, at the same time, they're building a program down at Texas State a little bit yeah. down the road. He doesn't like that. Yeah. How they're, they're coming to compete with him. And I I love that, man. Like, let's keep yeah. this going for a couple of years. Love. Like, I, I want G.J. Kinney, like, this is looking way far in the future, but I want him to stay at Texas State for a little bit and not just take the offensive coordinator job at, like, a Power 5 school or something and, like, keep climbing the rung super fast. Like, sure. let's, let's stay here and build this program. It's just, no, like, agree. thousand percent agree. Yes, do that. <laughs> Well, I will say somebody tweeted out um, the attendance and comparison to others. And let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, it was a tweet from, here we go. UTSA football. Uh, this is from Whittington CJ on Twitter. Um, UTSA football, 49,000 outdrew the following teams. Baylor, Washington State, Oregon State, Duke, TCU, Arizona State, and Cal. Right. Wow. None of those teams eclipsed 45,000. And UTSA Texas State had 49. Uh, 
Craven made a joke on our Slack. He's like, they should have paid some millionaire to get 50K, just like just to give out tickets, just to get it to 50K, yep. which I agree with. Um, but let's put it this way. This game's going to come to Bobcat Stadium next year. I believe there's a capacity of 34. There, I, there's a good chance they break the all-time record, which is, I think was Houston in 2016. There's a good chance they break the all-time record if both teams are pretty are good, um, which obviously leans more on the Texas State side in this in this example. But there's a good chance they come to Bobcat Stadium and break the all-time record for attendance, um, which would be fantastic. Again, a neutral, a, a not a neutral, but a, a non-conference game doing that between two G5 schools, right? They're not. It's not a money game for either for either team. I don't know. I, it was it was it was awesome to see, especially for a game that, like I said, wasn't didn't have a lot of like buzz or like a lot of like or not buzz but like firepower and like crazy plays things like that it was just kind of a standard game i think the atmosphere was stellar all right moving on let's go to lubbock um man this one was rough uh oregon 38 texas tech 30 i mean golly man bless the red raiders <laughs> that that game was rough um yeah. The ups and downs of Tyler Shuck. Um, Mike Craven was at this game. You can read his piece. His three thoughts on this one. Again, the ups and downs of Tyler Shuck. The ups and downs of the Tech defense, even though I don't think this game's on the defense at all. Um, the Tech defense is like the bend but don't break, but actually just break a little bit defense. I was about to say, yeah. Like I'll say this. I was not too bought into the Bo Nix thing. He's, he's kind of good, man. He's yeah. kinda, he's, he good. I don't know what happened between him and Auburn year. and Oregon, but he's yes. good. <laughs> what were you saying? Say it again. I said Bo Nix, this is the year. He's got a Heisman campaign. This is actually the year. This is the this is what the billboards were talking about. This is like I'm driving in the DFW Metroplex for some reason. I see a Bo Nix Heisman campaign poster. This is this is what the hype's about. It's yeah. genius marketing. Oh my gosh. It really is. Like, I mean, I'll say this. After last, I said last week that I didn't, I wasn't too worried about Tech. I really wasn't. I thought, I think Wyoming is a potentially eight, nine win team. Going to Wyoming, elevation's weird. It's a weird place to play. Good program. I wasn't too worried. And I think, I don't know. I think they, it it sucks to be 0 2, but like, I think they, Proved me a little right that I think there's still everything still to play for for them. In mm-hmm. my not every zero and two is made the same. No, sure. two is not the same as Baylor's zero and two. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about them in a bit. Yeah, yes, and we'll talk about them a bit. Like I, again, Wyoming, weird game. Oregon, a team that that's blowout potential right there. Sure. I mean, Oregon is a is a Pac-12 contender. They've got a Heisman contender quarterback too in both yeah. <laughs> Um, so. Yeah, I mean the the fact that, that they're hanging with Oregon and you know they were leading there for a little bit mm-hmm. too. You don't want to take moral victories in college football, especially big time college football. But not every own two is made the same. One worry I have with Tech, Tyler Show can't keep running. Tyler Shock, my bad, can't keep running the ball this much. He's, He's taking a lot of for a guy with the injury history that he has. We need to have some running game outside of quarterback draw for Tyler Shuck because Tyler Shuck is an NFL draft pick. If he stays healthy, Mm -hmm. I'll stand on the table right now and say he's at least a mid round draft pick. Sure. If he makes it throughout this season, he shows the flash. He's got the prototypical build, but we, I mean, Taj Brooks has got to get more carries. I was going to say, why are they involving him more? 
He had six carries for 66 yards yesterday. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, he's one of, he's one of the best running backs in the big 12. I, 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 I don't wonder, understand. Yeah. I wonder if they don't, I don't know why he's not getting the carries because I wonder if they just are so against using like one back, right? Because it's always, it was always Sir Roderick Thompson and him the past couple of yeah. years. And I wonder, I don't, again, I don't know why he just doesn't get more in general, but I wonder if like they don't have the depth to give him the carries that I think we should, we think they should, we should, he should get like, he, again, he, yes, I agree completely. Um, uh, I, I don't, it's, it is very weird. And I wonder if this kind of a game, I wonder if this was more of a Zach, I don't want to say lost in the sauce kind of thing, but like Zach Kitley gets in a race with, you know, another quarterback and he's like, we got to keep going. We got to, you know, stay up to, you know, if it's kind of like a, we have to keep pace with them and like they lose, I don't want to say he like lost his kind of rhythm, but like when you're in a game like this, it's so back and forth and like momentum swings and all that. I feel like you kind of lose your sense of like your own tempo and your own rhythm. Right. Like Tyler Shuck had 23 yeah, but- carries. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The running backs had nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, again, it wasn't good. Like last week, last week I got it because like they couldn't run the ball. Like they, they, for some reason, they just couldn't get a push against Wyoming. And a lot of it was like, just like shuck, get four yards and figure it out. But this week it's Oregon. And you mentioned it, his injury history. You can't have your quarterback do that unless he's Jalen Hurts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, in the up and downs with him too, like I thought he made some really big time throws in this game, but like, when they were – they at one point were leading the game and they yep. had that partially blocked punt yep. and they get the ball on their own – on Oregon's 41-yard line. And, like, this is, like, look, Jones AT&T rocking, you yeah. know? Like, oh, like, it's, like they're <laughs> building it up and he throws yeah. it on that first play. Like, that's the up and down. That's where it's like, yeah. you got to take care of the ball, man. you got to, like, have this momentum here. Yeah, that was the backbreaker. Yeah, three, that's, touchdowns, three interceptions. That's a Brett Favre stat line. One fumble, too. Yeah, that's a very, yeah, God, yeah. That's uh, I also think, I mean, I also think they got kind of screwed on that pick. I thought that was an end. I thought that was a pick in the end zone, personally. Um, the the tech, I believe that Oregon went up, they ended up kicking a field goal, taking a lead. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a pick. Um, but it, it was hard to tell. I don't, I couldn't tell if they had possession or, or control or not by the time he, um, his first foot touched and bounced. So, yeah, I mean, but still like, like we said, there are things to question about this team, but everything's still there to play for. If anything, I thought this game showed that the off season hype, I think was warranted. This is a better team, right? This is just a better team than I think last year, this team gets blown out last year. I just think they do. Um, if not blown out, then like. 14 20 point loss right um i think this is a much better team i think this is a disciplined team just again i think they just ran to a better a, a better team a playoff team so i don't know that's just that's just how i saw it and this is what you get when you schedule this caliber of a team in week two yeah it's sure. a problem, okay so it's like yes it stinks to take the loss yeah. but if you watch the game i mean you match up pretty well yeah, like it really it, did so like this is this is why you like let's figure it out non-conference. Let's get into Big 12 play. Gotta get a win next week. Who do they have next week? Uh, I forgot. It's somebody not great. I can pull it up. They have Tarleton. 
So okay, yeah. Go. You need to absolutely just <laughs> hammer Tarleton, yeah. Just hammer Tarleton. Yeah. And then have some positive vibes going into conference play. Yeah. I think everything's still there for him. Yep. 100 percent All right. Let's get into quick recaps for the reverse power poll. Starting off at the bottom, which a team that probably will stay at the bottom, uh, <laughs> North Texas, FIU 46, North Texas 39. Um, did I not yeah. say? Go ahead. Yeah. Did I not say on the preview episode this week that I was a little worried about this game? You, you did. Ish, you said, oh, it's FIU. They're one of the worst teams in the FBS. It's FIU. Well, it's FIU. One thing, one thing is right. And they are I one of the worst say, teams in the FBS. I know. And, and I said, I know. But then I also said that still worries me a little bit. Mallory, I have a question. Um, FIU put up 14 points against. Uh, I know. I Yes, I saw Noted that. Powerhouse Maine put up 46. Noted Powerhouse Maine. <laughs> put up 46 with North Texas. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I knew. I told you guys I had a reason to worry about this game this week. Um, yeah. I think last week uh, we could choke it up to them playing a power five conference. Um, I think a lot of those, a lot of those worries were kind of swept under the rug just because yeah, like Cal is a power five team. Uh, I think they were fully exposed this week, especially defensively. I mean, I just think the defense overall just looks, looks bad. Looks really, really bad. 46 points to a team like FIU is just, it's, that's not okay. True I mean, freshman quarterback, by the way. A true, correct. A true freshman quarterback. Um, there is just no reason that they should have been able to score that much. Um, it was terrible. Offensively, um, I think they had more of a, a balanced attack. I think that was that's promising. Um, my thing here, why in the hell was Stone Earl the starting quarterback these past two games? Oh. That is my Carter, you were at the press conference, right? When Eric Morris named Stone Earl the starting quarterback. Yeah. Then this game should prove that Chandler <laughs> Rogers needs to be the starting quarterback moving forward. I mean, there is no excuse at this point. Stone Earl threw one touchdown and two interceptions. And then Chandler Rogers came in to relieve him. And he went 11 for 15, 201 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was able to move the ball for this offense. It was so good. And <laughs> Why he wasn't was he great? playing? <laughs> and, and unfortunately, the defense let him down. I mean, yeah. I think if the defense were better, they obviously UNT wins this game with Chandler Rogers at quarterback. Um, but is- I think I think moving forward, and of course, I'm not a coach, uh, <laughs> but moving forward, I think Chandler Rogers needs to be the starting quarterback. This is total conjecture. I mean, kind of outside looking in. Um, I just think a guy like Chandler Rogers, you don't know what you really have until you watch him in the game. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't know how good of a player he is in practice when you take in all his dual threat capability. Um, And I believe it's like an old, it's an old Kurt Warner story where he's not playing and another quarterback starting over him. And he's like, I'm so much better than this guy in the game. And a coach comes up to him and he tells him, coaches see you 99% of the time in practice. Yeah. Like, so you have to take, like, you have to practice hard and be better in practice. I just feel like Stone Earl is probably a guy that's better in practice. Yeah. But then when you turn up, when you go to the game, Chandler, Chandler Rogers is 
you know, a rung above him. And this is the guy you brought in to start. Stone Earl stole the job in fall camp, basically. But maybe it's time to say, let's get back to the original plan. I was going to say, well, here's the thing, too. I think that Stone Earl definitely is the type of quarterback that Eric Morris wants. Um, obviously, like the more of a passing attack quarterback, I think that's definitely what Eric Morris was brought in to do. And that's what he wants to do. That's the type of scheme that he wants to run. Um, but I think at this point, you scratch that plan. Um, you start involving your star running backs more. You start involving the run game more with Chandler Rogers. Um, but again, that's just, that's you, my opinion. And that, that's where I think that this program needs to be moving forward. Yeah. You've got like the four horsemen of Denton back there. You have, that's like what I'm saying. So why are we, ones. right. Why are we so concerned? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. definitely, obviously defense needs to improve. I think in all, in all corners. Well, that's, that's That might just be is what it is this year. They might just have to right. ride that bad defense. <laughs> right. The offense just might need to, might need to pull it together and, and step it up because I don't think the defense can keep up. But again, yeah. I think, that's how that's what it needs to be moving forward. Will the defense hold a team under 35 points this year? Um, ask me last week before the FIU game, I would have said absolutely. Yes. That was just a power five team that came in and they looked pretty good on off offensively. Uh ask me again today, and I'm gonna say no. Yeah. And I got because there is again, lot. there's no excuse for <laughs> For a FIU 46 point game. I mean, there's yeah, no they got a La Tech uh coming up next week, which is all of a sudden a very tasty game, in my opinion. So right. <laughs> all right, moving on. Air Force 13, Sam Houston three. Um, literally like the same script as last week. Literally. Uh, <laughs> the defense looks phenomenal and the offense look, the offense. I think that there's I think it's similar to the Chandler Rogers thing, uh Stone Earl thing. I don't one, I don't think. Uh, Grand Ganell's ready. I still don't think he knows the playbook. From what I've heard, this is not, he's just not picking up the playbook the way they he hoped. Also, Keegan Shoemaker's a team captain, right? So I think that there is a leadership quality there. He threw 14 passes for 44 yards. Like, <laughs> they don't trust him to throw the ball. <laughs> well, here's, you know, analysis on yeah. my is three points in the first two games is probably not going to get it done. Yeah. Especially when your defense again, your defense is playing great. Like this defense is going to be one of the best in Conference USA in year one as an FBS program. That's awesome. That's that's sick. I'd be so pressed if I was on the defensive side right now. Like, (laughs) we're like, man, what the? (laughs) Look, look. If you're if you're on the defense, you're probably like, look, we got to get a scoop and score. We got to get a pick. We got to start doing some points here because they ain't doing it. Yeah, yeah. Keegan Shoemaker, eight of fourteen for forty-four yards. I mean, look. Running the ball, 30 carries for 36 yards on the ground. Like, this offense is putrid. Um, it stinks. And that's just, I, again, I don't know what else to say. There's, that's going to be the thing this season. And you just got to kind of hope it fixes itself when it goes to conference play. So, but I don't know. Man, they got Houston coming up. Houston's going to look we to combine, uh Can we combine you and T and Sam Houston? Like, can we just, like, can we you take, know what? Can we no, take you and Sam Houston's defense? Why? Why not? Oh, let's oh, let's just no, turn that, this into a combined. whole college football fantasy thing. Can we do no, that? Exactly. No. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like, can we combine them in the same category? And I was like, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. no I yes, totally I agree with what you're saying. I totally yes. You know, the, the irony is, the big irony is, uh, Sam Houston really wanted Chandler Rogers, and they thought they had a shot at him before UNT came in. Dude, Sam Houston <laughs> with Chandler Rogers. 
That'd be fun. I don't that think a platform, but it'd be more fun. Yeah, it would be more <laughs> you fun. You need to I go think. back to the old-fashioned trade and barter system and just look. <laughs> got some holes. Both these teams, we can help each other. Help me, help you. Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe fantasy you know, football for college. I can get some commission off of like negotiating the trade. Like I can be <laughs> intermediary. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the the more depressing part was that this was an NRG because they have a deal with NRG still. So it's just kind of like this cavernous because, like, you know, it's not going to draw a huge crowd. It's not a rivalry or anything Um, because they have a deal with NRG that runs through next year. So, like, it was just kind of lifeless to watch this offense in like an NFL stadium. Carter, (laughs) it was like it was like us at the high school game on Thursday when you're in this big because we went to Crowley Mansfield Summit on Thursday in big the big Vernon Newsom Stadium in Mansfield. And we look up and like there's just nobody there like for Crowley or summit. Like it's just an empty stadium and nobody's cheering. <laughs> That's exactly why I feel like that was like. <laughs> Sam Houston's going to be like, they're the team on the schedule that like you see, you got Sam Houston coming up and you're like, ah, like I really do not want to play those guys. It's, like, it's going to yeah. hurt. You're probably going to win, hurts. but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt so bad. You're going you're to struggle to put up points. Yeah. You're going to win <laughs> and nothing, but it's going to be like the worst game you've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right let's get back to the fun all right next team in the power pole we'll loop them in with the team that's higher than them rice 43 houston 41 hoot, hoot. look carter if i would have told you that rice would give up 28 unanswered points to houston that wouldn't surprise you right that probably wouldn't surprise you nope. if i said that they go on to win that game <laughs> after already being up 28 nothing in double overtime in double overtime like Look, I saw the end of this game because I saw the I saw the star. I, I kept I was driving back from the Alamo Dome when this game was going on, and I saw twenty eight nothing. I was like, typo. Like, yep. is there like a twenty eight twenty? Like, are they just in a shootout? No, twenty eight nothing. Rice controlled every bit of this game. JT, MF, and Daniels played fantastic. By the way, I know we were kind of we were kind of talking about like did JT Daniels put on some weight this offseason? Dude was moving. <laughs> Dude yeah. was moving in the pocket. He made some. He showed why they were right to just bet the season on him figuring it out on offense. Four hundred sixty-nine yards through the air, three touchdowns, one pick. I mean, Rice, Houston finally got their act together. They finally came into it, and we can talk about both teams here since you know we'll get to Houston later. But we can talk about both now. And then we, you thought, okay, here's where Houston just mows them over, gets overtime, wins. I, man, Rice ran like they ran like seven jumbo sets at goal line situations and just mowed Houston over. And it was like, what is happening? Because this is stuff that you shouldn't be able to do at Houston at Rice against anybody, much less Houston, the Big Twelve team. And by the way, go look at Mike Bloomgren's Twitter. Uh, he posted a photo oh, it's so two good. years ago. Uh, Dana Hogerson posted a photo with the, with the Bayou bucket by pool leg crossed cup right there with the bucket. Yesterday, Bloomgren tweeted out a photo with the whole Rice staff behind him, cup in hand, leg crossed, almost the same outfit, and it was it was it was awesome next to the Bayou Bucket. So this is this is yeah. what happens after six years. This is what Mike Bloomgren can do with a QB. Yeah, <laughs> one that can stay healthy. Hopefully, man. Yeah, not. Yeah, knock on wood. Knock on wood. But, but again, another example of like. Could this be, can we get a little bit of a regional rivalry here? 
Can we can we make this the Bayou Bucket more of a See, thing? We Houston really would say that. no because they don't want to be a rival with Rice because they feel yeah. like if they're a rival with Rice, things have gone bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that one, but but it, again, well, I mean, what a what a fantastic game though. I mean, yeah. What a fantastic game. Rice stock up. Houston, I just think this Rice team's better. Like right now, I, they might be. I mean, like if the no, not better than Houston. I think Rice is better than years past. Yes. Well, let's put it this way: like a lot of people who saw the Texas game were like, "This Rice team's decent." Like they didn't just roll over for Texas, right? And Texas, we see now might be just be one of the best teams in the country. And so I think that's true. I think that Rice might just be taking that step forward. By the way, Luke McCaffrey had one of the best grabs of the year. Um. Uh, I believe I think it was when they went up 28 nothing. I couldn't remember, but he just straight up one-handed catch, dude on him, draped on his right shoulder, and he just like reel it in. And it was like that's the kind of guy that like you would expect Houston to have, and he's doing that to Houston. <laughs> so yeah, and also I mean, shout out on Houston. Uh, a lot of talks made about you know Matt Golden, obviously two touchdowns from him. Yeah, Sam Brown is that's he had nine receptions, 138 yards. Yeah. Yesterday, I saw him uh, at the Houston UTSA game, and he was probably the most impactful receiver in that game too. So they've now got Golden Manjack, who's a beast, no gloves, no swag, bare arms, awesome, <laughs> and then Sam Brown. Now that they've got three really good wide receivers, need to figure out the run game a little bit. Sure, but that offense has a chance to be very, very good as the year goes on. I think, I mean, sticking on Houston a little bit since we don't have to talk about them later, we'll talk about them now. I am, I mean, I'm just worried about throwing the offense on Donovan Smith. Yeah. Like 42 passes is a lot of passes for Donovan Smith. Like you mentioned, the running game needs to figure itself out because I don't think you can win with 40. Like Donovan Smith's not a quarterback that you throw 40 passes with. He's somebody who can contribute in the run game. He can hit these good, talented receivers like Sam Brown, Matthew Golden, Joseph Manjack, those guys. But he's somebody who, I think if he's around 25 to 30, that's the perfect spot for him. That's enough to make defenses honest, but he's also somebody who needs to, the run game to balance out. He's just not consistent enough to be able to throw, to run a Dana Holgerson air raid type of offense, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, like you, we talk about the loss of Alton McCaskill, uh, but Tony Mathis Jr. and Stacey Sneed are, are two very capable backs yeah. that could use a little bit more work. I think I, yeah. you want to lean into running back by committee because right now what's happening is Donovan Smith is it's very similar to Tyler Shuck right now. It's like, he's the, he's tossing the ball 40 times a game and he's also your best runner. Right. Donovan Smith is not like a mobile quarterback necessarily, like not thought of in this dual threat right. capacity like some other quarterbacks are thought of. So sure. he's rushing the ball 16 times where Tony Mathis Jr. And uh, Stacey Sneed are getting the ball like, six times each right that needs to even out uh they get we'll talk about this midweek but they get tcu coming up which all of a sudden in their big 12 opener and all of a sudden very interesting matchup because i have no idea what to expect from that one yeah yeah that's gonna that's gonna be i'm gonna have my eyes glued to that to that game is that at tcu or where is that game at uh let me see let me double check I will. Uh, it is. It is at home. So that'll be Houston's home opener at home. Oh, uh, okay. Big Twelve opener at home. So. Is that going to be the game of the week? Because this week three slate is week three is kind of weak. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really bad. It might be honestly. You um, mean UTSA Army? Like 
Which did y'all see Army running shotgun? No, I mean, they're running some different stuff this year. It Let's looks really go. I, I almost grew up when I saw this. <laughs> I mean, our our armed service academy. What happened to our country? What happened to our country? What happened to our country? This is why America. You know, we're getting our teeth kicked in now if we're running shotgun instead of triple option like the service academy should be running. I, I, oh. <laughs> I, that was disgusting. That's why Biden's approval rating, approval ratings uh, took a dip. Look, <laughs> somebody I mean, saw yeah. shotgun and they're like, "Absolutely yeah. not my country." I mean, not to get too political, but you know, Biden has overseen army moving to the shotgun. So, <laughs> I mean, what's that say about him? <laughs> oh God. Um, speaking of a team that maybe need the triple option, uh, UTEP <laughs> Northwestern thirty-eight, UTEP seven. We don't have to spend too much time on this. What? This what? Awful. I didn't know this happened. Oh, oh you no. didn't. You missed the score, buddy. I missed this it. Game was fun for like a drive, and then no, UTEP forgot. You're not UTEP. giving UTEP enough credit. It was fun for a half, and then Northwestern came UTEP out and scored that... 31 unanswered points. Northwestern did. Yeah, you're right. Um, Nobody believes in us. Us against the world. No, I was gonna say. I think this game says more about Northwestern than than it does UTEP. I think Northwestern was like, they went in the locker room at halftime and they looked around and they were like, guys, we've we've got to pull this together. What are we doing? We are we are in a in a downward spiral right now. Like we've got to pull this together. I think that I think it just says more about Northwestern than it. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um. I think for me, the disappointing thing comes from like, this was ripe for the taking in terms of like, what could have been for UTEP, right? I'm not saying this was a game they should have won or anything, but like, this is a down power five program. Like we mentioned, like Carter mentioned, it was like, this is a team that like, this is the only time Northwestern in Northwestern history that they should be able to say, you know, underdog mentality against UTEP, right? With everything that's happened there, rightfully so, I should say, as far as Pat Fitzgerald's concerned. But regardless this was the one chance you're like man is this something and then it just like no the door just slams in their oh, face was like absolutely not <laughs> yeah so uh i mean we don't talk about this one i mean again unfortunate it's one of those games where it's like i think utep's had like seven games where you're like is this the game and you're like no no it's not so. <laughs> well did they try to rely on gavin hardison too much i mean like, yeah throwing the ball I yeah, mean, cause, and cause I think when of, the game gets away from them in the second half, I think they have to chase it. And so, right. Well, and I was going to say when we've known that, like when when they do put the the game on Gavin Hardison's back like that, it's it usually doesn't turn out to be it's not good a yeah. good outcome. So, right, and that's kind of like what it looks like they had to end up doing, kind of, and yeah, that get yeah, that's a good point. Got away. I'm doing a little schedule peek ahead. October 25th, Wednesday night, UTEP versus Sam Houston. I yeah, that, in Huntsville. You are, you are a sick, sick puppy if you're watching this game. Wait, what? Wednesday, Wednesday night? night. <laughs> yeah. Wednesday night, because remember Conference USA has the weekday slates now. Yeah. Because that's such a right. glorious, glorious conference. And by and let me make something clear. I am that sick puppy. <laughs> I was about to say. Yes, <laughs> I'm absolutely. intrigued what by that What else am I doing on a Wednesday okay. night? <laughs> exactly. I'm intrigued, okay? <laughs> Honestly, that might be a trip, honestly. <laughs> okay, midweek only trip? like Hunts was only like an hour and a half away. That might be. I was just that might. Should we do an ROF squad up there? I think we should. Yeah, I mean, look, night, like we'll talk. Okay, we'll talk. Uh, moving on, Carter. Let's get you going. This is the game you were at Utah twenty, Baylor thirteen. Um, I okay. I I couldn't help but laugh at the last play. Um, 
because <laughs> it looked like Baylor was trying to let them score, but also not. And then Utah was like trying to wind the clock down, but then Baylor just pushed him in the end zone. Like, so yeah. <laughs> you were at this game. What what happened? What was going on here? Uh, this one really hurts for Baylor. Yeah. Because they were in control this entire game. Like Utah's offense without Cam rising is anemic. Like it was kind of gross, honestly. Mm. And Baylor, you can't control who you play the defense looked so much better. Like I was kind of coming this game, kind of expecting like Baylor to get just mauled on the line of scrimmage, you know, because Texas state sunned them last Mm -hmm. week and they play Utah. Who's a team that perennially just beats you up. Like talk about teams that aren't fun to play Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, And Baylor's defensive line. I mean, was active the entire game. Gabe Hall looked like a force, uh, TJ Franklin, I thought had a fantastic game. Kyler Jordan interception. Um, it, it it really Utah when they switched to Nate Jackson at quarterback is when it kind of changed because mm. Utah had no offensive drive throughout the entire game, and then they went on a 15 play 88 yard drive that lasted like eight minutes mm-hmm. uh, and, and scored, and that's when. Sawyer Robertson just started pressing. He just pressed too hard. I mean, third and 16, he throws over the middle into like triple coverage and, you know, it's picked off and it gives basically Utah the game. I mean, that play gave Utah the game basically. And, you know, you feel for him because he's trying to make a play. You know, he's going for the win. He's playing to win, not to not lose, which I love. Mm -hmm. But in that situation, it's like, dude, we got to live, we got to punt this ball away. Like we got to live to fight another down here Uh, because Utah again has not done anything offensively. Let's play for overtime. Let's try to get this in overtime. And unfortunately that was, that was kind of the game. Um, Not all 0-2s are created equal. Tech's 0-2. I'm fine still. Baylor, it's starting to get worrying. Okay. Cause now this is your sixth consecutive loss. Dating back to last year, Man. you're still without Blake Shapin for at least a couple more games. Devin Lemire in the secondary is a huge loss. The secondary played good, but again, mm-hmm. it's like versus a Utah team without Cam Rising. Um, so let's let's see what they look like in two weeks when they play Texas. I was about to say, yeah, then they got Texas uh, coming to town in two weeks. And McLean Stadium was sleepy. I'm not going to lie. It, yeah. How much like, of that was the 11 a.m. kick, though? Because 11 a.m. is really, I mean, I get it, right? You don't want, it's Texas. You don't want to do it. You don't, if you're outside, you don't want to do a 2 p.m. kick. But I'm always against 11, 11 a.m. Either do, either, I mean, until October, in my opinion, always do 6 p.m. if you're in Texas, in my opinion. If you took out the student section, it was even between Utah fans and Baylor fans. Oof at this game Dang. at least from my vantage point and in the upper deck the third row it was utah like it was utah territory man and there were utah chants actually right I, I was gonna say towards the i do remember towards the end of the game i did actually hear like some like cheers and like some like back and forth which was really weird yeah so like i'm i'm a little worried about baylor yeah. to be honest because you look at the schedule too like long island next week murder Right. Uh, but then you look at the first half of their schedule, like they could be one in five. 
like they play Texas and Texas Tech. And then what are we what are we saying about the state of this program if if we're sitting at one and five in year four of the Dave Aranda tenure? Yeah. And I sent a message about it yesterday. This is my first time hearing Dave Aranda talk in person. Yeah. And he has the most soothing voice I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Like I like I was as relaxed as Quinn Evers was in Brian Denny Stadium when right. Miranda started talking. Like I was like, oh wow, like this is so peaceful. Like he's such a nice man. But <laughs> yeah, he's like that, like all points of life too. Like after a win, after a loss, like that's just him. <laughs> yeah. He has one level. <laughs> and it's kind of like and he did he did drop the the line that Tom Herman used to get just wrecked for, which is winning is hard. But I totally agree with him, man. Like I He's saying like it's hard to win games and our team has to learn how to win. As a guy who's been through some heavy losing streaks in my life, the the difference between winning and losing is razor thin sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you forget how to win. And Baylor is at a point right now where they just aren't doing the little things necessary to win. It's one drive away. You know, it's a couple false start penalties away. And I think their roster, they can be a good team. I really do. Like, I'm not saying this to be nice, mm -hmm. but they just need to, they need to get a win under their belt. And what worries me is like a Long Island win doesn't do anything for you. Sure. There's nothing for nobody. You needed a win versus Texas State or Utah. This was a game you kind of needed to win to right the ship. And, you know, it, a game you controlled the entire day and it, you lose it at the very end. Yep. Yep. Well, well said. Well, we'll keep an eye on Baylor because, yeah, we'll probably not the last time we're going to be talking about them, regardless of how they do the rest of the year, probably. Um, moving on, we don't have to mention this one at all. Uh, TCU, I mean, took care of business 41 6. Get right game. We said yeah. get right game. That's exactly what happened. They lost uh, six Chandler. points. Yeah. Uh, Chandler Morris, 26 to 30, 263. Exactly the type of game you needed to have after mm -hmm. last week. So good on them. Um, Number seven, we talked about Texas Tech, talked about UTSA. I think that's my – oh, no, we still got – okay, I see him. Number five, Texas State. Uh, four, SMU. Let's talk a little bit about SMU. Um, they lose to Oklahoma at, in Norman 28-11. I think this was one that just kind of got away from them. I thought they really held their own for a long time. Um, I think Ch Preston Stone threw like a couple – passes off his back foot that were actually like really impressive i think he finished uh 26 45 for 250 through the air and again i think this was more like oklahoma found one or two plays that broke through and smu kind of just i don't know just broke on the road against a team that is expected to do well i don't know how good oklahoma is exactly but um i thought they didn't look outmatched and this is kind of what i hope to see from smu was like a team that has fringe power five talent and that cannot get that can go on the road and really scare a team that's going to compete for for a, a conference title so i don't know i i came away um if you're smu fan you're probably disappointed that you ended up losing this by double digits but i'm not disappointed looking at smu this isn't your older brother or your dad's smu this right i mean this SMU. was this was a one score game in the fourth quarter i believe yeah. this was 10 14 10 with like 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter like right there for them Mm -hmm. yeah i i think I, yeah i I'm, I'm not trying to be like moral victory guy here yeah. like i feel like we're talking a lot of these losses that like no but like that's a moral victory 
But yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Like, it, it, you're a one-score game versus Oklahoma in Norman. Like, new quarterback. I know Preston Stone's going to be legit, but he's yeah. still a new QB. And you've got a team full of transfers. Like, how do you respond? Uh, how are you going to respond in enemy territory, a team that's a team that's all basically come in in the last two years? And I think SMU stock is up right now. I think so, too. I mean, those two, basically two breakaway plays, or I think one of them, it was kind of like two missed two miss tackles, and they have two touchdowns, basically, Oklahoma does, to kind of put it away. Um, and then Oklahoma gets a weird, or SMU got a weird bounce on, a, on the ensuing kickoff that, like, he thought it was going out of bounds, or he thought it was going through the end zone. It, like, bounced at the one, and so he had to pick it up, and he ended up getting stopped at, like, the 10. So, like, yeah, it was just weird for SMU. If this um, game was played, if this game was played last year, it would have been a blowout. Oh, 100 Yeah, no, SMU gets... With that defense last year. last year, like, yeah, it would have been a blowout. Oh, yeah. All right, moving on to number three. Houston, talked about them. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, they got the Big 12 opener coming up this week. All right, the last team we got to talk about, <clears throat> Texas A&M. Miami 48, Texas A&M 33. I was watching this game this morning, catching up on it, and DJ Durkin stinks. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, that defense stinks. Um, look, you're Texas A&M with your defensive talent and rest his soul, Terry Price, you, had an inc- you have an incredible defensive line in terms of talent and you get zero push and i know mario cristobal's thing is offensive line you know he had a good offensive line in oregon that's the thing he's establishing at miami doesn't matter they got zero push that whole mm-hmm. game against miami against a quarterback who's like fine tyler van dyke's okay i don't think he's a world beater he looked like a world beater <laughs> looks like it yeah, looked like five touchdowns. Deep, tyler van dyme <laughs> that's a, that's a mom's jersey, I think. 70 percent completion, three seventy four through the air. I'm look. We offense. I think the offense looked fine. Fine. I, I'm not saying they look great. They looked fine. This defense stinks. Well, it's not like the secondary. I. It's not like guys were running wide open. A lot no, of, I thought the secondary had good coverage, but yeah. Tyler Van Dyke is just placing it in the bucket because he's standing back there like a seven on seven game. Right. Like it, he basically like Tyler Van Dyke was a he's a highly touted quarterback, right? In terms of like coming out of high school. He was a full fringe four-star, I think. The problem is when you actually I think it was a I think it was a high four-star. I couldn't remember. But regardless, he was a well-touted quarterback coming out of high school. And of course, when he's has no pressure and he can just sit back there, yeah, he's good enough to make some throws. And they wasted, I think AM wasted probably Evan Stewart's best game when he finished with 11 catches for 142 and you lose. <laughs> like, oh my God, this game was bad. It, and it, the worst part is it got, oh, it got away from them late. Like they were in the game, it was competitive. And then 17 points in the fourth quarter from, from Miami because they just couldn't get a stop. And if the irony turns out to be that the offense is good and the defense just falls off a cliff and that's what yeah. does Jimbo Fisher in, <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> well, well, AM fans, okay, defense, we got to fix this. Yes. Connor Wigman's a dude. He's a dude. Like, he, he's he, a he had a couple turnovers, but he's he's, he's young. That, that interception was not his fault. That first interception was yeah, not. Yeah, 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 that wasn't his fault. Anaya Smith fell down. This yeah. last interception, whatever. You're trying to go, you're trying to win the game. You're going to lose anyway. Just right. throw it. Like, both those interceptions, I do not think are on him. Right. He is the guy. 
Yeah. And I'm, re I'm ready to say it right now. Yeah. Like he, he's got Evan Stewart. He's got Moose Muhammad's son. I mean, he's got the, he's got a nice Smith. They've got yeah. the weapons. The offense is set. You just got to get the defense figured out. Yeah. Also, what can I say, Mallory? Huh? Wait, man. Were you going to say anything, Mallory? No, I, no. I was just well, going to say, I, I agree. Okay. Like, he looked really good. And, I, and I'll, I, I also just said earlier that he's just young. Like, that's going to happen when you're young. Like, you're going to make, you're going to throw a couple picks. But I think overall, yeah. he did look, he's the future right. of this program. Here's my big takeaway watching the broadcast. Yeah. I want to not like Jesse Palmer so bad because of the Bachelor <laughs> stuff and like him yeah. on Bachelor. But wow, he's a good analyst. I really he's like good, him. He's a good commentator. He's a really good commentator and he's got some really great points. And it's like, it's like I'm watching the game, like, oh, I really like this analysis, but like, oh, I see him on The Bachelor like every week <laughs> now. The That's one so thing funny. that I love, I will say that I love about Connor Wigman or in this offense in particular, Petrino's not afraid to run him. Like Jimbo was so against any quarterback running. He had Kellen Mond, he had Haynes King, and he never ran them at all, right? Almost like reluctantly. Like Bobby Petrino's running read option and like doing some, it's like, cool. That's what, like, he's a dual threat guy. He's a, he's a runner. He's a big quarterback. He can take hits. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree. It, he's, he's, he's throwing like dimes where guys are breathing down his neck about to knock his head off. Like, he's, oh yeah, no, that, that's the baseball in him where he's just like rifle. Like he's somebody coming at me rifle. Like he's just going to get that ball off. He's, he's a big, he can take some hits. So yeah, I, the irony now two games in is that the offense looks good and the defense might stink. <laughs> I mean, AM's like, I mean, not like Miami was getting six, seven yards of carry when Texas AM's got like seven dudes in the box. Yeah. It's bad. Also, yeah. I, I'm just going to point it out too. Um, we're sitting here at week two. Um, mm -hmm. This is Texas's last year in the SEC. They're two and oh with mm. a win against Alabama. Mm. Texas AM is right down the road, one and one. With a mm. loss against an unranked Miami. Hmm. What hmm. kind of pressure does that put on AM? Interesting. <laughs> That's... Hey, Carter, you, you seem really you seem to really be loving this fact right now. Yeah. It's a really I... good nugget. It's a really good nugget right there. Uh -huh. I <laughs> I'll mean, say it's this. just it's I think you, your point is not lost, and I think it's not lost on the people that make the decisions at AM. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. I think your decision, you're, you're, pro, you're, you're not the only one thinking that because I think people were watching that game late last night in, in college station, the one in Tuscaloosa, I'm saying, and going, huh, why are we, why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and why are we, why do we have a guy who can't do that? Mm -hmm. You know? So they have the players. I think they have the players who can do that. That's the thing. Um, they've got the, no, they've got the class. <laughs> I was about, they don't, I was about to say, I mean, with the money there, Look, me and you can pull together a top 10 class probably with the money they got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it's the execution. On those I mean, guys in the positions. Yep. Let's just say that Texas Alabama game, I know who AM fans are rooting for. Sure. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Thousand percent. Yeah. That is, you know, Alabama. And it's not the team down the road. <laughs> yeah. Alabama is, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's your rival. I know Texas is their rival, but it's also like Alabama is the champion of the SEC. Sure. And kind of the, the representation, the physical embodiment right. of big. You wanted to see team. your rival go in there, get stomped, and say, "Look, you don't belong," right? Yeah. Like you don't belong. Yeah. And it's like they went in there and that it, they belonged and proved they belonged. It's like 
this was the thing you've had over them for a decade. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. That you're in the SEC, you're up here, and now it's like in they're not even in the conference yet. It's like you right there on the same level all of a sudden. It's like you're it's like you're at the function and like the guy you don't like shows up and you're like, oh yeah, I can't wait till everyone figures out he's a fraud. And And then then everybody loves him. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him and he's like staying late and hanging out and like you gotta you gotta go home, but like he's still chilling and like ah crap. I'm also genuinely concerned for the rest of their schedule. I mean, it's a gauntlet of a schedule. A bad schedule. And if they looked that bad against Miami, that's but I don't, purely I don't concerning. Looked, I'm not as low on like AM as as I think. Y'all. I mean, the defense is defensively a that I think that, the defense the, yes. I was about to say the offense, I think I'm genuinely happy with. Like genuinely. I think they they ran a lot of interesting things. I think Connor Wigman looks like the guy. But I do I mean, like again a lot of these teams that they're facing they need an they need a they need a defense that's exactly Ole Miss like these are teams that you need to stop (laughs) yeah yeah it's not this is not yeah this is not the big 10 like (laughs) they would survive in the big 10 but here yeah you you can't they go they uh Alabama comes to Kyle Field and Jalen Milrow played bad because mostly a lot of the times because Texas had a pass rush and they had playmakers in the secondary and they were able to fly all over the field I again, I, we'll, we'll wait. That's what that's in October, but I don't see AM having that proactive defense that kind of needs to make an offense, make an adjustment right now. And that's a problem. Um, yeah, so we'll see. But I, I, I'm sorry, I'll say it again. DJ Durkin stinks. I, I haven't seen this is two years now where I'm looking at the defense going, where are these, where are these guys at? Has Craven released the power pole yet? I don't think so. I think he's working on that right now. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious fall. to see where where they uh, where they fall to. So. I can tell you who's going to be last. <laughs> well, yeah, North Texas probably going to chill there for a bit. We'll see after next week because they got a lot of tech. That'll be fun too. So. We'll All right, out the caboose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so hey, like that's I said, the most important uh, part of a train. Okay, it's the most important it, part it, of a train. It, 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 it's, hey, you're only it is as strong as your part. You're only as strong as your weakest link. True. All right. True. <laughs> oh, the problem man. is that weakest link can't stop giving up 50 points a game. <laughs> <laughs> North Texas is addicted to giving up 50 points a game. Uh, all right. So that'll do it. Texas, of course, number one, they will stay there. Spoiler alert. Uh, after this weekend, the only... 2-0 team in the state of Texas, which is crazy. Not even that they're 2-0, it's that they're the only one that everybody else already has a loss on the year. Um, so, yeah, that'll be... Well, a lot of Texas teams playing each other. Okay, there's a lot of cannibals. That's, That's fair, I guess so. Well, still, teams that you wouldn't expect to be the one... Houston, yeah. <laughs> you didn't expect them to be the one with the loss against what I yeah. so... Yeah, true. Anyway, regardless, uh, yeah, that'll do it for us. We'll keep it there. Uh, let you enjoy your Sunday, NFL Sunday, first NFL Sunday. Everybody got their fantasy teams locked. Everybody good to go? Yeah, I think. I'm, I, think I think so. All right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I my favorite. my first one was uh when uh, Thursday because Goff played and so he played okay. So uh, oh good, I got the stress out of the way. So <laughs> all righty, we'll see you guys Wednesday. We'll be back with a full preview episode of all the teams playing this week. Please like, rate, subscribe, listen to all the episodes, <clears throat> excuse me, all the shows, I should say, on the Republic of Football. Everybody will be giving their recaps, their reactions to the weekend on each individual shows. And like I said, we'll be back 
Wednesday. Mallory, how did Rutgers do this week? 2-0, baby! 2-0, they were rolling 2-0! We got the Longhorns, and we got Scarlet Knights. This is a representation of 2-0 on this podcast. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call. We have some pointers on what you could maybe do on defense, which is get a pass rush. Um, <laughs> please give us a call. You're the only coach in the FBS to not do that in the state right now. So we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday, and we'll see you later. Thank you.